Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you both in your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. We have a very special guest today that I'm thrilled to get the chance to uh, have this podcast recording with because it is very similar to the way that we work with, with, I would say, female professionals. Today's guest actually does the same thing, but from a male lens. So I am very excited to have Jeff on the show today. And Jeff, just to make sure that I'm pronouncing your name correctly to show that I'm not perfect. Is the D silent? Uh, it's Dvorak. So it almost sounds like there's an E between those two first consonants, but uh, Dvorak is how we've always... Okay. Because sometimes I'll see a name that the D, like the same way, and the, the D will actually be silent. So um, I guess it's just the way that the, the region, I guess you want to say. <laughs> Just like wine, right? The further <laughs> like you see. are removed from <laughs> immigration, the more Americanized the, the sounding and phonetics get. <laughs> well, it's kind of like Pinot, right? Yeah. A Pinot Noir. When somebody look at it, they'll say Pinot. And I'll say, well, it's actually pronounced Pinot. Yeah. <laughs> the T is silent. <laughs> um, well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to chat with us. And um, as the listeners know, one of the very first things that I like to do when I have somebody on the show is to ask them if they have a particular uh, beverage, wine, maybe bourbon, as I heard, uh, beer that they like to just share as a um, a favorite, just to talk about their journey a little bit and, and some of the things that they enjoy in life. Absolutely. And that's a great kickoff question, Amy. Um, <laughs> I have a little bit of a... Um, Unique story. So actually, a month ago, my 10-year younger brother, who lives and works in San Francisco, just got married. So we had the opportunity to go out and he got married in the Sonoma area. Mm. And, you know, if you're traveling from Chicago, where I'm located, to, you know, the West Coast, you don't really go for a day trip or two days. You kind of (laughs) try to make at least a long weekend out of it and see some of the beautiful scenery. So we had the opportunity to try some of the different wineries that they had proposed. And um, there was one that really stood out. And I've seen some of the bottles, you know, at local liquor stores, but Kundi, K-U-N-D-I, was Mm -hmm. one that 
you really, from a holistic standpoint, the entire lineup from, you know, Pinot's to, you know, some of the sweeter dessert wines, which personally are not my thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the beautiful white Chardonnays, it, it was very robust. Everyone had a very flavorful taste that it really mm-hmm. was memorable. Maybe that's because it was like 80 degrees and a beautiful <laughs> mountainside view that it, I just felt like I was in paradise. Um That was one of the the wineries that, uh, you know, I certainly, I had never heard of prior to to being on site. And Mm -hmm. now it certainly got me seeking, (laughs) where can I get bottles that, you know, you don't want to pay for shipping of cases across Mm -hmm. across the country, as I'm sure you know, that's quite expensive sometimes. Um, There was another one that we had, and you might appreciate this. So as you know, most red wines are not chilled, at least Mm -hmm. to the point that whites are. Um, there's a winery called Jacuzzi, and we were brought a sample of a Dolcetto, it was called, D-O-L-C-E-T-T-O, um, in the winery Jacuzzi, just like you would you would normally expect. Um, but they served it much colder than a traditional red wine was. And to me, it was once again, a very unique, very memorable, um, very enjoyable experience where I would certainly highly recommend if you're out in the West Coast and you have access to that. I don't know the distribution <laughs> and how how readily available these are in different parts of the world, but um, was it a sparkling really caught red? my eyes. Was that a sparkling red or was it? You know, uh, they just called it red. I think it was more of a blend, to be honest. But um, hmm. some of the science behind it, they said it was a very early harvest compared to any of the other reds. Okay. I'm trying to recall some of the statistics, but the flavor... And just, I guess, you know, being in Chicago, normally my wine preference has always been red because it's normally colder or more fall and, you know, kind (laughs) of cooler springs where you don't really need the the chilly, um, you know, grease or something, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of easy to drink. And this one really just kind of took me by surprise. So I Mm -hmm. certainly would recommend that for any of the white wine drinkers that maybe want to convert to the red side. You also said in the pre-conversation that you're a bourbon fan. Yes. So another really kind of strange story. When I was in college many, many years ago, I'm not going to reveal a date, um, but they used to have on Thursday nights for $10, you could go to a local, it wasn't a bar, but like a um, more of a restaurant, higher end restaurant, which no college kid should be able to afford. Um, $10, 10 o'clock on Thursday nights, and they would have different <laughs> families of alcohol with a, you know, prior to the whole mixologist being an actual thing, they would have an expert in each, you know, this could be anything from wines and beers to whiskeys and bourbons and scotches. Um, so really to get, once again, like wine tasting, the sample, but the history and how to drink and how to approach the glass and use all of your senses to really embrace the profile. Um, it got me into being kind of a bourbon snob prior <laughs> to even being able to afford a bottle of my own. Um, but it was, it was one of those things that the, I guess the shelves are vast where, you know, just like wine, there's so many different <laughs> kinds and flavors that um, it's really exciting to try to find a new bottle. I I have never been a big bourbon person, but I'm learning. (laughs) Well, so that's very, I mean, talking about all of this really does share the journey that you've been on 
And I'd love to dig into kind of the the finance side of this podcast a little bit. I, I mentioned in the intro that you also specialize in working with female professionals, um, that that's something that when you started your company right out of the gate, you were looking to do. Tell me a little bit about, first of all, how, how did you get, how did you become a financial planner and you know what led you to that? What were some of the influences in your quote unquote vines, you know, as we talked about that, that have led you down this path? Yeah. Another just fantastic question because sometimes we lose track of our roots and where we came from and we're so focused on the here and now. But um, I remember at a young age, uh, I, I kind of already alluded, I have a 10 year younger brother. So technically we were kind of raised almost as only children. And at the time, both of my parents had worked and you know we'd sit around the dinner table as a family and all share a little tidbit about how our day was mom would vent about her work day dad would vent about his work day and i would get to share how i got a you know good score on my math and spelling test <laughs> um, but every time you know both of my parents were in business and my mom actually worked uh in investor relations for a public company hmm. so she would be talking about the stock market and you know all sorts of things that were just foreign to me and i certainly don't expect many second or third graders to be um, exposed to those types, but it really, you know, the more she spoke and kind of informed me of the challenges. And um, apparently I was told in, in hindsight that when I was even a younger child, she used to read annual reports and press releases and things <laughs> as, a, as a trial run, because she would have to do this on conference calls to investors, that that was my, uh, my lullaby. So I might've been pushed in this direction uh, incidentally, but I've, I've really created and grown a passion for it just from, you know, it was something different. And we all, we've all gone through reading and writing and science and social science and the whole element of finance and economics just, it wasn't presented at that young age. And it, it intrigued me because it, it was, I don't want to say taboo, but it was certainly brought out, you know, much later in the course of the education curriculum. Mm -hmm. So I, I had attended the University of Illinois in Champaign um, as a finance major. The interesting part that you know I kind of struggled with or gone back and forth with is at the time, there were not many, if any, personal financial classes. Everything right. was really tailored toward the corporate employee and all the corporate finance facets. A lot on accounting, once again, more on the public corporate side of accounting rather than how to do your own tax return. So I guess even as a sophomore and junior, when you were getting into the meat and potatoes of what your major really was, you still weren't exposed to what financial planning at its roots truly are. Um, and it wasn't until you know after I graduated and accepted my first job at an independent RIA that I really got to see and experience, you know, even wealthy people, people that I had visioned my own parents, you know, that we just talked about that I had, you know, put on a pedestal as these, these people are so intelligent and so, um, you know, well-rounded that there's no way they, they don't know how to do their taxes or their own investing or, you know, have a basic strategy for budgeting. And to see that this is something that applies to everybody really kind of roped me into 
you know, kind of demonstrate that there's power in this and either mm-hmm. I can end up paying somebody at some point in my life to assist me with this, or I can try to, you know, face this head on and develop an understanding and expertise to not only protect and set up my own family for financial success, but share that with others in a non-sales, non-pressure environment, but really, you know, embracing what fee-only and, you know, holistic, comprehensive financial planning are today. So so you came at this pretty early on in life then, really. I mean, this is something that you, I mean, obviously you had that, and what you were saying, your mom read you, (laughs) your lullabies were, were were annual reports um, or press releases, right? So just like thinking about it coming out of college and saying, I want to make sure that I do something, like you said, there weren't really personal finance classes um, at the time, or there are very few programs. There's a lot more now. Correct. What made you want to then start your own firm? When I first joined the uh, RIA that I spoke of right out of school, I was, I think, the fifth or sixth employee at the time. So we were a very small shop, but had very you know, deep ties to some of the, the corporations headquartered in the Chicagoland area. Uh, you know, Oak Brook specifically had quite a few you know, big companies that you're exposed to not only the basic elements of budgeting and insurance and investments, but you know, really wealthy people that you're doing very complicated tax returns, mm-hmm. tax planning, you're involved in really deep and chaotic, uh, for lack of a better term, <laughs> plans, you know, where there's maybe multiple marriages, multiple children, separate mm-hmm. businesses. Um, in just the, f- the challenge of chaos, I guess. I, I like to try, I guess I'm a puzzle solver by nature. It's always been a passion and a hobby, but seeing this wide array of, of information and trying to understand and identify the best way to structure it so that everybody came out ahead mm-hmm. was something that really you know, kind of caught me by surprise that I, I didn't anticipate. And that love and passion for puzzling and creating and finding solutions had brought it to the next level. My firm, I had to create, um, you know, at the time technology was really taking off in kind of the early 2000s. There's been a lot of development from, you know, Excel-based financial plans that used to be kind of the norm to now there's so many specialty softwares that we can use to both keep our clients engaged, informed, share some of the ideas that we understand, but in a pictorial, you know, infographic type way where they can comprehend that data. Um, And at the time, one of the owners of the firm was much later in his career and technology really wasn't a focus. And, you know, I felt like we were wasting a lot of time doing some of the manual labor of looking up statements, (laughs) hard coding balances into an Excel sheet and um, you know, you really don't have as much time a day to share conversations with the families you're assisting. And that's where, you know, my wife actually had the audacity to pull me aside and said, Jeff, you seem to be really busting your hump here. You're putting in way too many hours and I don't think anybody knows it or appreciates it. So this is your chance. You know, you've already completed the CFP certification 
what have you got to lose at this point? And unfortunately, there were non-competes in place. So I did mm-hmm. truly have to start off at, at mm-hmm. ground zero. But all of the mistakes that you make along the way, as you probably can relate to, Amy, mm-hmm. the first, you know, the first time you hang out your shingle and you open your door, anybody that's willing to you know, pay you and or listen to you becomes a client. And you certainly develop over time a, a filter that there are some people that I just admittedly don't have the expertise to assist. And there are other people that don't really want to listen to the advice. They just want to say that they met with a planner and that's their feel good moment, but they were never really serious about implementation. So yeah, my, my firm wasn't always, I guess I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know I was going to start something, but it, it kind of fell into right place, right time. And, you know, of course, a leap of faith and a backing and support of family and loved ones. Well, I think that spouses have a way of doing that because, you know, it was my spouse that was like, um, why are you doing this for yourself? (laughs) So I think they have a way of prompting us or prodding us. Maybe that's a better word of saying, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time, right? What, what kind of influences when I think about, I mean, clearly you've said that, um, you know, as a, as a kid, you had some discussion around finance and, and certainly going into the first job that you had going into the RA space and then starting your own company. What made you want to, to like specialize in, I know you said when you first started, like you, you know, it was sort of whoever would come work with you, but what made you want to specialize in working with female professionals? And this is where I'm conflicted in my own answer because I feel like it's two-pronged, but they both meet at the same point. And I'll, I'll expand upon that. But originally, you know, a lot of the meetings that I had took or had taken, um, it was very male dominant. I would ask questions to both the husband and the wife, and I'd be staring the wife directly in the eyes, asking a question that only she would have the answer to. And, you know, the husband sitting also at the same table would immediately interject and Mm. start answering. So I don't want to stereotype by any means, but it seemed at least in my sample set that a lot of the females were being either neglected or not heard as much as I had tried And at the same time, the male counterparts were also hesitant to accept the suggestions or recommendations. As you know, there's some times in in financial planning where you have to say, I'm I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to help you get to a better place. And that means that right now we have to make a sacrifice. And I I know you're not going to want to hear it, but these are some of the things that we have to change in the short term. Um, and a lot of times, you know, that would warrant somebody going off to Google Academy and trying to self-educate <laughs> and coming up with some article or opinion that, of course, was contradictory to the suggestion that I had given, even though, you know, we'd have hours and hours of conversations and I've reviewed all the, of the data. Um, women, on the other hand, when I had a female-led household, it was always, it seemed appreciated, received, but it was genuine where they knew they wanted help. They accepted the help 
and they implemented the changes. Mm-hmm. Of course, I always tell people, you know, if you have a thought, challenge me. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I'd love to debate this so that when you second guess yourself, you can, you know, internally debate mm-hmm. the angel and devil on your shoulders and, and figure out why we did what we did. I don't want to have anybody, you know, with a buyer's remorse or any sort of regret. Right. So um, naturally, it, it just seemed maybe it's my personality, but women responded better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the other element of it was certain women, especially those that were successful in business, have a bit of a different personality. Let's be honest. We, you know, we all kind of live in this male dominant corporate world where if you do want to succeed as a female, you've kind of got to, you know, be a little stern and, you know, even (laughs) I I say this from a place of love. My wife always said, you know, when I first met your mother, I thought she was going to put my head on a stick. And I said, no, she's a great person, but separating the work, the work personality and persona of being, you know, somebody that's in charge and has mm-hmm. people working under you, um, it was, I guess, almost viewed as a sign of weakness. So I've had mm-hmm. a couple clients that were, you know, also very high up in their companies. And at first, you know, you'd send a, an email and you'd get one word responses and you'd have a phone call and I couldn't pry them to answer any question with <laughs> more than, you know, a, a six, six word sentence. And, you know, I know that they don't devalue or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have a problem with me or my service. It's really just, that's the personality and getting to understand how to work with that personality has been something that I've tried to develop, you know, a specialty around I know mm-hmm. time is important. Everybody's got to get home, put food on the table for the family. Mm-hmm. Um, do, they don't want to hear about <clears throat> all of the little things. It's what are the big ticket items and how can you help me? And if there is something that I have to do, Jeff, please just let me know. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a roundabout, but it seemed that those two points kind of just collided in the middle mm-hmm. where I wasn't getting very far with you know the male dominant households. And I certainly enjoyed working with the female led ones, but at the same time, um, you know, I kind of had this innate ability to peel back some of the layers of those otherwise mm-hmm. more, you know, walled off personalities. Well, I'll say, you know, again, we both have always said we don't like to stereotype in any way, shape or form, but I will say that one of the things that I love about working with other professional women is the education piece. You know, it's, it's not just about do this, do that. It's here's the reason why I would recommend this, or here's the reason why I would recommend that because ultimately it is their money and it's their decision. And our, our responsibility as financial planners is to tell them about the different options and make sure that they've had, they match up with their values. Right. So if they understand why they're doing something, then either there's buy-in very easily. Right. So it's that, but they want the education. It's they, they actually want to understand it and they want to take the time to get to know it better, even though the relationship is very long-term. And by the time we've worked with them for a couple of years, I think both you and I have talked about this in the past offline is that they could probably do it on their own. You know, they, they, they've gotten enough education, but it's about time and at that stage. So they're knowledgeable enough to, to be able to do it on their own at that stage, but they really are committing resources. I mean, by resources, I mean time and other 
other areas. So they choose to continue work to working with us for that particular reason. That's what I love about working with, um, like you said, female led homes, because they, they just priority wise, they have a, they're usually pretty clear about where their priorities need to be. And Absolutely. I always enjoy that. Absolutely. And financial planning is one of those disciplines that you could absolutely self-educate, but is that something that would take away from the other right. hobbies and leisure activities or your professional you know, curriculum and yep. other progression that you need in your own nine to five? Life? <laughs> and yeah, there's only so many hours in a given day. Exactly. What do we do with that? <laughs> and sometimes just finding the first available you know, hit on the internet from a, a search about how does an IRA RMD work? And you, know, you just run with it and people end up getting themselves into very big, very costly trouble because there's yeah. always, always fine print. Yeah. The, the big one that I hear, it's funny that you bring up RMDs because anymore I, I hear people say 72 and a half, right? I'm like, well, no, you're actually combining two laws. You're com- combining the old one of 70 and a half with the new one of 72 and, and hold on to your seat because we never know if that might change to a different age. So, Right, right. Yeah, it, a that's lot where- of people are still stuck in the mindset where maybe they had an awareness when they had lost a loved one years ago prior to 2019. And, you know, they said, hey, I've got to take a little bit every year. And they're not necessarily aware of some of the changes in the legislature where you've kind of got 10 years now. Right, right. And once again, it's not that they were illiterate or incompetent, but things change. And unless you come back and make sure you're in line with the newest. Yeah, you're keeping up with that. Yeah, I mean, this this is our area where we're getting continuing education and attending conferences. And, you know, we're constantly reading, learning, where if if you were a a CEO of a company, as an example, you know, you're, you're looking, you're focused on your business, you're focusing on what's going on in your, your own little corner of the, of the planet, you know, it's, it's keeping up on the rules and regulations as they change is not as, it's, it's a very, as, as slow as it changes, it also changes rapidly. If that sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my cheek, it's it's true. I mean, things just randomly sort of change or revert back, <laughs> you know, because laws are sometimes temporary in nature and they revert back. So keeping on top of those is really important too. Absolutely. Would you say that, um, I'm just curious, you know, what has, what has kept you? So, you know, I, I kind of heard your story about what got you into this, but what has kept you in this profession? Because there is quite a bit of turnover in our profession. What what has kept you going? I would say the biggest thing that I still enjoy waking up to is knowing that every day is going to be different and you don't fall into a rut where you're just grinding through the same old, you know, whether it's task or project just for a different family you could have three families that on paper look like they are all doppelgangers, mirror images, clones of each other. And the way that they need to be spoken to behaviorally and psychologically could differ. Their own intrinsic values and morals could differ. Their tangible goals and objectives could differ. And there's so many differences in you know, every family that I've worked with and have even heard stories and case studies about. And that's something that 
you know, just when you think you kind of understand, well, this worked last time, or this was the solution I used in a prior mm-hmm. similar case, you can never just jump to that conclusion without doing the legwork and really understanding all of the other elements and what this specific individual or family is dealing with. So in short, I love just the diversity of mm-hmm. challenges and issues that keep me on my toes because I feel like once we get complacent in life, you really lose the drive, the passion, and you know you start to kind of fall off in in more ways than one. So <laughs> yeah, keeping that keeping that uh, eye open for opportunities, I think, is always intriguing. I one of the things that I've always loved about <clears throat> since I started my own firm is that most of the people that we work with um, don't have unlimited resources you know, they've got competing goals that they're dealing with. And it's finding, it's finding the solution to those competing goals. And it's putting the pieces of those puzzle to that puzzle together to actually figure out how does it work to, to help you achieve the, the goals that you have? Like, how do we move the parts and pieces around on the board to make it come together in a way that, you know, is, is going to stand for, stand for you and, and be true to your values. And, and for people that, that don't, that don't, I won't say that you were talking about the complications of more of a uber wealthy type person. I'm not saying they don't have complications and they don't have competing goals, but generally speaking, they're not things like, do I save more for retirement or put my kids, kids through college? You know, they're not those kinds of competing goals. And I always think that that's, that's where our value is. And that's sort of the uniqueness of of what we get to do on a daily basis too, is solve the puzzle. Yep. Or uh, for people that it's really quite important um, that they don't, they don't have those unlimited resources and every dollar that we shift one way or the other really is very impactful to them. Um, so, so now you fast forward. Oh, uh, by the way, I was going to ask you the question because um, I-, I loved your company name. So 4D financial advisors is the name of your company. What, what, how did you come up with that name? So this is another, uh, you might appreciate it from a business sense, but you know, once you know the story and we become good friends, everybody kind of jabs an elbow into my ribs. But when I was first thinking about the name, um, I have younger kids and you had gone to one of those movies where they give you the 3d glasses. So I had gone and I want to say it was like finding Nemo traditional story, little fish swimming <laughs> around. But when you put on the 3D glasses, you start to see things that you didn't previously pick up on. And forget the plot development, but little hidden gems or Easter eggs, as we've known to call them. Um, So when I was thinking about a name, I said, we live in this 3D world. I want to be, you know, the glasses. I want to help people see, you know, the next dimension to understand, you know, what's going on in a perspective that they aren't looking at or aren't able to, to look for at this point. So 4D was, you know, to me, it was short. It was simple. Um, the tagline was an added dimension to your financial future. <laughs> but in the, you know, a lot of the databases, the other benefit is it's alphanumeric. So starting mm-hmm. with the number beats, beats some of the rankings, which is always, you know, a nice little cherry on top. But if there's anything that I can you know, advocate about the way that I work is 
bringing a different perspective and helping people see things through a lens that they had not otherwise been exposed to or mm-hmm. had been able to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that, I, that's kind of cool, the, the bringing in, you know, an, another lens to the table. I, I think that's pretty pretty creative. I I struggled so much when I was naming the company and and I my the the actual parent company, the LLC itself actually is Irvine Wealth Planning Strategies, but we do business as Rooted Planning Group and the reason for that was because when I first um formed the company, I also had a non-compete and I, you know, I I want but I wanted people to knew, know that hey, I am, you know, doing financial planning. So here let me put here, let me do some advertising. And, and, and I knew people in the community would recognize it. Fast forward to when I started adding team members, that became a bit of a challenge because now, you know, it's like, well, who's Irvine? Like, what's Irvine? What does that have to do with anything? And so we ended up changing, you know, doing, creating the DBA of Rooted Planning Group so that it was more, more of a team, you know, kind of view than just a, a name like Irvine, you know, just having my name in it. So I, I just, I always find it interesting when I see unique names of financial planning firms because, um, you know, the, the thought of like what this is going to be in the future, I think for a lot of people, doesn't necessarily, <laughs> it's like, if I can just get this thing to work, <laughs> I'll be happy. You know, it, they don't necessarily think about the legacy of the name either or, or how the taglines or marketing can go along with it either. I mean that, so kudos, kudos to you for coming up with that. And you offer both ongoing financial planning services as well as like a one-time financial plan or even um, like projects and stuff like that as well, correct? Correct. Correct. I mean, the bulk of it is is certainly ongoing. Um, all of my relationships, I'm, I'm sure you're probably similar, but all of my relationships start with the creation of the plan, whether it's mm-hmm. a one-time only, which is really t- tailored more to the DIY crowd that maybe they're not at a point in time that there is too much complication or sophistication, but they just want that doctor's physical to, to say, hey, these are the kind of red flag areas that I need to pay attention to. And here's some suggestions on how I can alleviate those potential pain points. But most of the, you know, the business that I do is is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so what would you say um, when you think about your own journey too, combined with like as a business owner, what are some of the things that you would say I have been challenges? I, I would say like many vineyards have challenges, just like lives have challenges, right? What obstacles would you say that you're, you've experienced as a business owner and what obstacles are you seeing a lot of your clients experience, especially in today's world? That's another fantastic question. I think the answer to the first part of it is once again, multifaceted because as a business owner, you have to learn and grow as an individual simultaneously to growing your business. And in my opinion, there's nothing more humbling than an early, you know, somewhat consistent failure of, Hey, I I talked to this individual and you know, they ended up not choosing me over my competition. And why is that? What am I doing wrong? Did I say something? Am I not smart enough? Am I not, you know, do I not have an ensemble team where I'm just one person? And you start to try to identify all of these things that maybe you're doing 
inefficiently or that are perceived to be inferior to what a different firm or competitor might offer. So on top of trying to grow my business, I think I opened my doors when I was 27 years old. So I was, wow. you know, pretty young. much younger and certainly going through the maturation process in the same time where I had to understand, you know, how do I convince people that I am just as capable as the guy with gray hair that's been doing this for 35 years? And actually, I'm probably more hungry to learn and prove myself and demonstrate the expertise and value that I can bring to you. But over a course of another 40 years where that individual has certainly probably had a wonderful career, impacted many lives, but I don't know how much longer that type of person is going to be around. Mm -hmm. And if, and when you do need help, you know, are you just going to be shuffled to the next advisor on that team? Or do you really want to build an intimate relationship with somebody that's Mm -hmm. in my case, a solo practitioner So for me, the biggest challenges were, you know, certainly probably more personal in nature and understanding how to communicate with certain types of individuals. And there's so many different behavioral and psychological classifications that, you know, you can identify this, this behavior group and how to communicate with them. And some of that stuff is relevant, but ultimately you also have to have a confidence level. And when you have a very limited number of clients, you've only been doing this for a handful of months independently, the confidence, relatively speaking, is at an all-time low. And building upon that and being able to shake the hand of Mr. CEO and you know Mrs. CEO and mm-hmm. really demonstrate that you know, you're in good hands and here's all the things that we can do to improve the problems that you've just come to me with. Um, that's something that I didn't have at, mm. at that younger age. And I think kind of throwing myself to the wolves um, is something that you can't quantify, you can't prepare for. It's almost just like having your first child. You can read a book or watch a class or you'll never understand what it feels like to you know, hear the cry in the middle of the night and have to go change a diaper and get spit up on <laughs> You're just drowning from every angle possible. And that to me is very synonymous with my, you know, my creation of 4D. It was a learning experience more on the personal side. Mm-hmm. I've always felt very comfortable from the knowledge and academia standpoint, but sometimes the thoughts and concepts in my head, I couldn't articulate mm-hmm. or demonstrate to the clientele as effectively as I wanted to. But over time, you know, after several failures, you start to identify what's not working and, mm-hmm. you know, trust your, your colleagues and clients for feedback and say, those of you that are satisfied, you know, what are the things you value the most? Yeah. What can I be yeah. doing better? There's been a lot of talk about advisory boards. And I think yeah. that, you know, feedback is so important that, we may not want to hear it or may be ashamed to ask for it, but those are the types of things that really improve the trajectory of, of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, and as far as like the things that your clients are seeing for obstacles, are you seeing anything, does, does anything stand out in particular? I think right now we're, we're at a unique period because of course, there's a lot of headlines on the investment side with mm-hmm. the markets and the economy. That, to me, will mm-hmm. always be there in one way, shape, or form. 
I, I think the biggest challenge right now that I'm seeing is there's kind of another big wave of at least my clients that are having students finishing up high school, getting ready to go uh-huh. to college. Uh-huh. What that process looked like 20 years ago is very different than, first of all, the, the competitive level of getting scholarships and grants and all sorts of, you know, the admissions and acceptance rates are just, everything is so cutthroat these days. And Tuition costs have certainly increased to points that are not comfortable. So a lot of those, you know, conversations are how much, if at all, do we want to help, you know, our three or four children pay for college? And if we do want to help, how do we navigate somebody that wants to go to, you know, Princeton versus somebody that wants to go to a local community college, you know, paying for everybody to go to school if they're very different costs. It was more just the internal family dynamic of, I don't want my one child to feel like they didn't get as much or mm-hmm. that one was um, you know, chosen as a favorite. But to me right now, that seems to be a theme with more families than I would have expected. Mm, interesting. Have you noticed anything along those lines? Um, well, I, yeah, I would say that, you know, we're, we're, Certainly our clients are, a lot of our clients are in the ex-gen, you know, age group. So um, the average age of our clients are, you know, it's just about my age, 49 to 50 years old. Although we have a fair number of clients that are younger and a fair number that are older. The bell curve def- definitely is, um, you know, closer than, than along with the average. And they are in that competing goal of, you know, gosh, retirement is probably 15 years, maybe a little less in some cases down the road. Maybe uh, we do have a couple of clients that work for companies that you can retire at 55 and many do retire from that company and then, you know, take a second ensemble career or something. And, and it is, it is a challenge when it comes to, I, you know, some of those people are, are just, finishing or have just finished paying off their own student loans and they don't want their kids to be burdened with that same level. And so they're really struggling to try to figure out not only how do they pay for their kids' education or co-pay for their kids' education, but how do they do it if they have multiple children, as you were saying, like, how do you, how do you make sure? In fact, we, there's several clients that are, you know, trying to figure out what is the exact dollar amount, you know, bringing education into the family to say, okay, kids, you know, we're going to consistently give this much money to each of you. You can pick a college that you, um, you know, know that you're going to get a fair amount covered, or you can pick a college that, <laughs> that you're going to have to end up paying more out of pocket, but here's what we can afford to give you and still, you know, still be able to retire at a reasonable age. So, I do think that this, that is a big challenge. And and I think it's a big challenge for a lot of people, again, just because they, one of the big issues is they don't want their children to walk out of college feeling like they've been overcome with that. And yet college is so expensive that how do you just, how do you do it? How do you make it work? Absolutely. And navigating that and in my perspective, adding any peace of mind and saying, we will discover a plan. We will, yeah. you know, walk through simulations with as accurate assumptions as we right. can. But right. you need to just live in the here and now. And I always 
tell my clients, I said, don't try to win from where you are. Try to get into such a good position that that a successful outcome is just inevitable. So don't think about seven years from now when you're going to have three kids in college at the same time. Start the building blocks today so that by the time we get there, it's it's a non-factor because you'll lose your mind trying to <laughs> you know, take into account all of the possible changes and pathways that life can evolve over those seven true. years. That is true. Is there anything, um, like, you know, I'm thinking about um, just, again, like informing your vineyard. Was there any, like, specific nutrient or anything that really stood out to you that somebody can go get or um, seek that ultimately help you get to where you are today um, and and continue to have um, that growth that you were looking for? So on the financial planning side, the one, I guess, piece of advice for lack of a better term would be talking about money is not a sinful act. (laughs) <laughs> and so many families, you know, from my own clients to even, you know, some of the families we've grown up in, don't talk about anything financial related at all. And I'm not yeah. just saying how much you make and, you know, how much your property taxes are, but if there was, you know, a lost loved one, understanding, hey, this is something that I just had to go through. There's this probate process and I I didn't know anything about it, but you guys might want to look into this with your you know generation above you and i feel like some of these things that i'm seeing as that i'm dealing with you know after the fact i, I wish i could have inserted myself into their lives and you know established <laughs> this conversation a year or two ago because mm. so many of these hurdles that they're facing they could have taken a detour and eliminated entirely so mm-hmm. Even for, in your example, Amy, talking with the family and just, you know, call it a campfire and gather everybody around. Right, right. Hey, this is what we have to offer. Each of you are getting X number of dollars and I certainly want you to go chase your dreams and whatever university or college you feel is most appropriate for your, your major. By all means, I wish you the best, but financially speaking, we cannot afford to give you anymore. So just having those little tidbits at a young age, I think also give the children or young adults confidence and expectations. Bring yeah. up questions to whether it's mom and dad or um, you know, as a parting gift for all of my clients that have high school graduates, I, I always offer, you know, one or two different complimentary hour sessions before they send their kids off to college, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not with mom and dad on the line, but just so that they could ask somebody that's a trusted, knowledgeable source, Mm -hmm. some of the questions that maybe they're embarrassed about, or maybe they're unsure of, but going to the internet and finding, uh, you know, once again, more of an opinion is detrimental. So mm-hmm. being able to just it's, have it's a dangerous to live among the laws of numbers, isn't it? I mean, when, when we say generally speaking, or um, basic guidelines, it's it's very dangerous to live among among those averages. Absolutely. Absolutely. But so many people that that information costs zero dollars to go mm-hmm. seek out. Right. And especially when you're younger in your career, or possibly even a student, you're most likely not interested in paying anybody for 
a service that you can find a somewhat reasonable answer to online. So well, I would know, include I, that. I, and I, I, I encourage people not to do that. <laughs> um, what, what would you say your definition of success is? I have always felt, you know, personally that the greatest joys in my life have always come from helping other people achieve their goals. And that kind of, I guess, rings true on a parallel path with being a financial planner. But um, even if it's a hobby or, you know, a sport or activity that I'm involved in, I've, I've gotten more satisfaction out of seeing a new person come into it and grow and fall in love with something that changed their life. You know, just as you speak so passionately about wine, you know, you could take running or cycling mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. You know, boxing, whatever it may be that gets you, you know, amped up in the morning. Um, I just enjoy helping others find their, their true passion. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was I'm trying to think, I think I was 16 years old, but I was a long distance runner and it was pretty good, nothing terribly special, but I had a like life altering knee ish- injury. And after several surgeries, I'm still not supposed to run anymore. So I was kind of deprived of my, I'll use the term love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really just loved waking up, running in the morning while the sun rose and the birds chirped mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, going to races. But when that was taken, from me, you know, I tried, I morphed into a cyclist and I found a low impact sport um, that Mm -hmm. I could kind of share with others. And, you know, ever since I've kind of been just jumping around, find, I want to really enjoy and experience all that life has to offer. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've dabbled in just about every personal activity, but along the way, it's not my own success that I'm trying to achieve. Of course, you know, that's, always the the main objective, but bringing and sharing the joy with others is something that uh, I'm very passionate about. Such a lovely way, um, you know, definition. I think when we share, um, share our successes with others and our failures, to be honest, too, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, what can come out of that sometimes some of my, um, it, it's so wonderful when you can see other people, succeed, even if it succeed better than you and you know that you were part of it, right? It's just such a joy. And it's especially like that with clients. I think, you know, we're always striving to see their, their success be even greater than our success. So, well, um, Jeff, in closing, uh, thank you for spending so much time with us today, but in closing, I always like to switch over to a section of the podcast called nourish your binds. And this is where we take just a minute or two, um, for our, our guests to provide maybe one, financial lesson that they've learned in their lives, especially when they're, when we're interviewing financial planners, because everybody thinks we're perfect because we're in finance. We must not make any mistakes. Um, the real idea is folks, just so you know, we also do. So, uh, I always like to share, you know, if, if you have one tip that you, you could give to folks or one lesson that you've learned, uh, what would that be? The one thing that really changed my mind, and this kind of came through from reading some more fictional novels, but try to see challenges, see problems, see life from an outside perspective. We, of course, approach everything 
um, with the information and the emotions that impacted us directly. But especially as I've gotten older and tried to mature more, it was more valuable to put myself in that person's shoes and say, if I was them and this had happened to me, you know, what might I expect to do? What might I be feeling if I just got, you know, laid off after moving halfway across the country to Mm -hmm. take a job? Mm -hmm. You know, how, what would I be going through? You know, the financial planner in me would be hitting the panic button saying, oh my gosh, we've got to, you know, do all of these things. But is that the type of response that the client will need right now? Or is there a different period that you know, we have to just kind of let their emotions die out. They're dealing with, you know, a very severe thing. Of course, I want to be there for guidance, but there's a time and a place when they're going to be ready to hear it and listen to it. So for all things in life, whether it's political affiliation or, you know, whatever your feelings on all of the horrible acts that we've, you know, recently heard about in the news, you know, put yourself in some of the other people's shoes and at least just try to understand where others are coming from. And if you still feel the same way you do, then kudos. But for me personally, I've, I think I've changed my stance and position on a lot of things just from trying to not be so tunnel vision and focused. I love that. I love that. Um, one of the, one of the things that I've said over the last couple of years, especially, or, not this is conversations between my husband and I is that it's okay if um, especially on the political front if if we disagree I just I would love for people to feel like we can still talk to each other about why we feel the way we do and maybe learn from something instead of you're right I'm wrong you know kind of environment that we sort of got into for a little while Um, and I and I love that from a financial planning perspective, even and from a business owner, from a from a person, you're trying to listen and explore and be curious about why somebody feels differently. It, even if it ultimately doesn't change your mind, it might give you new perspective. So, um, I, I love that. That's that's the one lesson that we're walking away from 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 you today, Jeff. And I, I so appreciate your time and. Um, how can people like reach you? I know your website we'll put in the show notes, but how, how can people follow you or reach you or, or get more information about you? You know, the website is probably going to be the best place for now. Uh, admittedly, one of my big, I don't want to say regrets, but I am not a social media person. Um, <laughs> don't regret it. <laughs> yeah, on the personal side, it always seems that the people that are contacting me are it's artificial. It's not a genuine relationship. So I said, you know what? I'd rather have a more real engaging process. So I'm not terribly big on, you know, the automated posts on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you want to connect, I'm happy to, you know, email or call directly. But at this point, uh, I guess I've kind of removed myself from being a content creator. So I greatly <laughs> appreciate all the work that you and your team have done to launch a successful podcast and have people like me as a part of it. But at this point, yeah. it has its pros and cons. I mean, there's days I love it and other days that I'm like, I'm doing this. Why? <laughs> so <laughs> it's, um, it's getting, honestly, one of my favorite things about having the podcast is getting to meet new people like you. And um, not that we met through the podcast, but um, getting to meet people more. Um, so 
you know, just to explore. Sometimes it's, you know, exploring other people's journey, like you, like a financial planner or other times it's, it's something completely different that we talk about, like, um, you know, burnout or, you know, just, just general kinds of conversations. And that's one of the reasons that I do the podcast in addition to the sort of a, another outlet for me, but yeah, I, I, um, I can appreciate, um, the fact that you've elected not to do that. And it, it's, it is, it is work. And I'm thankful that I have great editor and a wonderful editor behind me because thank goodness I don't have to do any of that. I just get to have the fun conversations and turn it over. But we, we are so thankful for you taking time, like I said, out of your schedule to be on the show. We will put your, um, your contact information website in the show notes. And, and, you know, if, um, if anybody has any questions, we always love to hear your questions. Feel free to share uh, this podcast. If you heard something on it that you find to be very helpful to you, uh, both Jeff and I would love to hear anything that you um, want answered because we can always come back through and put questions in the show notes or follow up. And it, it, we hope that you, uh, you enjoyed the time that you spent with us today. Thanks everyone for listening. And again, we hope you have a great afternoon or evening or morning after listening. Thanks so much. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. Don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.